What is up, beautiful people, and welcome back to a new episode of the Connect podcast. This is the platform that explores stories of purposeful life lived across and in between cultures and celebrating our common existence and humanity. I am your host, Ghali, and every single week I'll come on here to speak to you guys about some life things or sit down with a guest to speak about things like identity, culture, lifestyle, and purpose. In this episode of The Connect, I am joined by Wanja Wahoro, songwriter, musician, abstract painter, and writer. She is from Nairobi, Kenya, and Sydney, Australia, and honestly, is one of my favorite artists from Kenya. She focuses on intimate storytelling. All of her artistic work investigates identity, relationships, love, and history within the feminine and Black African experience. This conversation was really, really interesting. We got into what that quarter-life crisis looks like, being able to reclaim your freedom, why she started the Black Glitter newsletter, what body image means for female musicians, the pressures that artists might feel to create a certain type of sound for wherever they are. Wanja is a deeply introspective person and I really enjoyed this conversation and I hope you will too. Remember to subscribe, follow, like, share and let me know what you think. Let's get into it. And your friends came out and were like cheering you on and I was just like, this is so cute. <laughs> but um, what have you been feeling a lot of lately? Uh, I have been feeling... This is that point where I'm deciding how honest to be. <laughs> how honest do I want to be in this? Um, no, but I'm always honest, so I'm just going to be. I'm. I honestly, the last three years of my life has been yeah. a period of, and it's like kind of a cliche, you know, as I have discovered, especially because Twitter. On Twitter, you discover that everyone feels basically like you do. Um, and that you're not you're really not alone in any way um but um the concept of the whole quarter life crisis thing and the whole your late 20s are the worst thing I have started to I I definitely believe and I and I understand why that happens you know like you've become a person and now you have to figure out what to do with your personhood um and you know our generation is also always seeking more and seeking something higher and something deeper and wider and better and, you know, something more meaningful. Um, You know, and obviously the pandemic, you know, we can't, unfortunately cannot avoid that in any conversations that we have Uh because it is so critical and has changed so much. Um, And so for me, I feel, I have felt really lost in the last three years. Um, and it would have happened, I feel like, regardless of the pandemic. Um, I think that was because it was pre- it was from nine, 2019, around 2019. I just started to feel quite dissatisfied with um, being a musician in Nairobi, but also being a musician in general. Um, uh, although I didn't have any other reference point. Um, and now I do because I live in... California and I don't feel that different so um, I now know that it's just part of this part of my life to being someone who is like inherently just you know someone who likes to make stuff yeah. and has always been that person and I've never 
had like this I've never I was never someone who if you asked me when I was 13 what do you want to be when you grow up I would have had a solid answer like I've never had a solid answer for that question (laughs) maybe when I was five and I wanted to be an archaeologist but that was the last time Um, (laughs) and then you know I just feel like in the last three years it's just been compounded by becoming a real adult you know and like having to be a real person in this world and pay your taxes and you know and like (laughs) you know be in you know a serious relationship with somebody else who's also a whole young person figuring out their own minds and hearts and passions and futures and whatever and it it all gets real um so it's been a time of just huge sense of lostness and kind of figuring out how to just be comfortable with that and not always try and solve that problem because every avenue I take to solve it is sometimes a lot of the time produces fruitful things. Um, Mm -hmm. But I also need to, there's also just (laughs) this terrible acceptance that has to happen to be like, there isn't a ton I can control and I'm doing what I can. So outside of that, you know, and I'm staying grateful and staying, you know, active and creative and whatever. So, (laughs) yeah, I guess, I guess that's the true honest to God answer (laughs) of that question. And I think that that's also like an answer that a lot of people can relate to. I mean, like I've, I've gone through a lot of that, you know, Um, I've, I've done the, you know, you you get done with school and you go to uni and you think that you're doing something or that you want something and then realizing that oh maybe it's not that you know and choosing something else and if you're if you're someone like myself who likes doing different things you're not really afforded the luxury when you're younger to be told just to like oh yeah just explore because you're put into these classrooms where Mm -hmm. you're told you know if you're not good at xyz you don't amount to things you know Mm -hmm. and um usually being any sort of creative um you it's it's not given the same sort of like infrastructure and support as like other people are Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and then you come into the real world um and it's still not the same infrastructures like that can support you and push you forward um, and give you that sort of foundation that maybe other people that like study the sciences <laughs> get mm-hmm, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've experienced both sides of that coin, to be honest. And um, yeah. it's 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 quite frustrating because no one warns you. People make it seem that like you you know you get into your twenties and things just happen. Yeah, and things don't just happen, you know. Mm. And a lot of the times. Um, if you don't I always wonder like for people that don't have like a support system you know like it must be so hard to mm-hmm. even begin you know um, yeah to figure it out and so I wonder like in this journey because of course like now you've moved and you're in a new place and uncertainty is always going to be part of our lives till like the day that we you know go on mm-hmm. to a different place but you know, how does, how does trusting your gut and like your intuition help you in this process? Or was it even difficult to trust yourself 
in making decisions into like what you're doing next and stuff. I think we underestimate actually how much we often are just going by our gut. I think most people, most of the time, most of the year, most of their lives, um, follow at some level, not necessarily on like a life choice level, but just on a, well, I don't really feel like I should go out today or I don't really feel like I should, you know, like we have these, we are always moving with intuition. Like that's how we make choices. Um, So there's that kind of the baseline level of that of like, okay, you know what, maybe I'll like sit down and make something today or I'll actually put some time towards like fixing my website or I'll, you know, like you make these incremental choices every day. And I think that that I have realized that the way that my brain works, at least, is that I really need that. Um, I really struggle with big picture, as I kind of said before. So um, in terms of like trusting the myself in the big picture, I absolutely don't know if I do. <laughs> um, me too, I don't bro. know. <laughs> I don't know if these steps are taking me to where I want to go. I don't mm. know if these steps are taking me to where I want to be. I don't even know what. Yeah. If I, I don't even know what that even means, to be honest. Um, yeah. But I, I think what a really big change that happened for me was in 2018. Well, I mean, there's a few big changes that were like life decisions, right? Um, mm-hmm. In mid-2017, I had just, I had graduated from university six months before for my undergrad. And mm-hmm. I went on a walk with... Uh, junior my partner and halfway through the work I was just like I'm just gonna go full-time with music because I hate having to do anything else <laughs> basically right. I hated having this other job that I had and I, I nothing felt right about any of it and I just wanted to see what would happen if I just committed full-time and I did and like that really obviously sent me in a specific direction and it was really hard you know to like hedge bets and to trust myself for that Mm. um but I felt like I that's what I wanted and needed at the time I just needed Mm. stakes you know I needed the stake of like (laughs) will I have somewhere to like well I I mean not that I would be destitute I'm of course very privileged I have like you said a support system of people who will always make sure that I you know have food and somewhere to sleep um and I'm so loved obviously but I needed the pressure of like taking care of myself and my own pride, you know, of taking care of my own self to push me. Yeah. But I discovered and now in mid-2019, what is that, two years later, mm-hmm. uh, after releasing Matriarch and everything, that I, that my pride was not enough of a reason <laughs> to <sighs> feel like I was just struggling to make yeah. any headway. And like, the, I wasn't even sure what parts of it I really liked anymore. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it just... It, it became slightly joyless. And a lot of that was just because of having to um, play in gigs, play gigs that I don't really enjoy playing. And that's really the only way to make money. <laughs> that's where yeah. all the money is, is it's in gigging. Yeah. It's in gigging or it's in people hiring you to either write stuff or record stuff. Um, but making music is completely not profitable. <laughs> like making of the music is actually the least profitable part. Um, and that's the part I love the most. So that kind of put me in a really awkward position. Uh, and I still am in that position at some point I had to like to get through, um, these, the days (laughs) and Mm -hmm. to stay at least satisfied again on a base level, 
I had to just start breaking life down into really bite-sized pieces. Like, mm-hmm. what am I doing today? <laughs> what yeah. am I doing for the next hour? And I, you know, I became a to-do list person um, just to yeah. organize my thoughts. Um, not even just, not even as a way to be efficient, <laughs> just as a way to yeah. organize my thoughts and try to get some stuff done and feel like a sense of accomplishment at the end of the day that, you know, that I did some things that made me feel good or that were just practical and needed to be done. Um, and I feel like that's just kind of how I've been living really, to be honest. Um, I try, I, 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 gen- I generally psychologically don't think big picture, which is again, very anti-culture <laughs> that I live in and it the is. culture of being a musician, especially you're meant to have a big picture. You're meant to have the big yeah. dream that you're chasing with everything that you have. But I just found that so soul destroying (laughs) that I couldn't, couldn't think like that anymore for now. I feel like this is the kind of thing I'll hear in 10 years and be like, Oh, Wanja, why were you so sad and stressed? Like relax. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But that's how I feel now. And I'm, you know, we started with honesty. So we're just leading with honesty. Um, Yeah. That's, that's how I trust intuition is just literally day by day trying yeah. to make choices that are fulfilling and, and that are centered in, in, I don't know, in, on, in, in truth, to be honest, like just being honest yeah. about where I'm at and what I can achieve realistically in the day. I think that I'm learning something from that. Um, I'm in a position now where in the past, I would say in the past couple of years, I've had to become that person that's not, looking at the big picture and sort of just trusting the process because I've always been a very like type A personality that like looks at bigger picture and like works, 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 works. Um, and it, it can kill you, you know? Mm. And so mm. it comes with, you know, your so much self-imposed pressures and like anxieties and things that honestly life, life shouldn't be that heavy. <laughs> it really yeah. shouldn't um, right. because there's so much more to life than you know what you're doing and yeah I mean in the beginning you said that we are a generation of people that are looking for you know like purpose and meaning and stuff like that and I I totally get that because I've always been that person mm-hmm. but I think I'm also coming to learn that you can you can have a purpose and execute it in different ways across your life. Like you evolve mm. as a person. And so mm. you may think that something's for you right now. And, you know, in a couple of years, you may be like, you know, I've, I'm learning something new and maybe I'm taking this direction yeah. now and yeah, um, allowing ourselves, you know, that space and giving ourselves the grace to be, just to be in the moment Mm, and mm -hmm. to continue growing. Um, Because I sometimes look at like people much older than us and I'm just like, nobody has anything figured out. No. You know, like everyone's (laughs) experiencing today for the first time anyways. So it's just like, Mm -hmm. just being kinder to ourselves maybe sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) And And I think that the trick is the trick that I have not mastered yet that um, is... It's very easy. What I have discovered now is is that taking things day by day is, is great. I think it has a lot of value and that's what I'm yeah. doing. But 
I also can see how when you look around you, like you say, and you see like everyone else is just as lost that some people just have finessed it better um, <laughs> or they have some things in place that make it look yeah, easier. Yeah. You know, maybe they have yeah. a, a great job and like a house and they look settled. So we're like, oh, they've got it together. But meanwhile, they're having a whole existential crisis. You know, we don't yeah. know what's going on really. And I do yeah. believe that everybody has their own internal, if we're talking about personal internal battles, not things external yeah. to you. Um, but then I find myself like realizing that it, you end up becoming, you can end up becoming quite apathetic <laughs> mm, because yeah. you're like, oh, what's the point? <laughs> We're all struggling. It's all a struggle. It's all, you know, when does anyone figure it out? What's the top of the mountain? <laughs> da, da, da. And then, you know, it becomes, it, there can be an apathy in it. Um, yeah. And that's something that I feel like also what, I saw of being a young musician in Nairobi is that we all know each other, you know, like you all run into each other, you all see each other at stuff and you have conversations and you realize that every single person is feeling exactly the same way, (laughs) Um, which is not encouraging at all because then you realize it makes you that feeling of apathy is greater because you're like, well, does anyone have the solution of how to make this sustainable and profitable and soul nourishing? And, you know, like how do, And it's very easy to end up all in this kind of apathetic state together. And that was something that was, I was starting to, it was starting to pull me down too. It's like this feeling of everybody not knowing what's going on. Um, And so there is, there's like a weird, I don't know where you're meant to land with that, but there's this weird thing where you have to kind of believe in something in the future and believe in something beautiful and possible and great and wonderful in the future but also still stay very grounded in the present um and that's that that's that juggling act that I don't feel like I have got yet yeah uh, yeah I hear you and I think that that's also just the duality of life like things can be you know tough and you can still be okay You know, like it's, I think sometimes we think that, oh yeah, because things are really shitty right now that Mm -hmm. we can't also feel joy in some moments, you know, and um, it is a juggling act for sure. And um, yeah, I think um, I'd also like, I'd read something that you had written in one of your Instagram posts where you had said that you had, you didn't realize how harsh and negative and apathetic you had become um Mm. and that you had lost um all of your whimsy and like your childlike delight Mm -hmm. and um I think that that's that's something that does happen but I think that once we realize that that's also like a really important turning point Mm, because it's like you know there there can be better and there is some hope and I think that once we actually start taking actions to not only like better things for ourselves, but like when we pull people in mm-hmm. to sort of like support one another and get answers or like to build something that can also prove really useful. And I know that like, <clears throat> I know that you started your black glitter newsletter. Um, what was it that first if you want to tell the people what black glitter <laughs> is um, yeah. and then also what sort of inspired you to start the newsletter. The origins of the newsletter are really far back. 
um, okay. to maybe like, okay, not really far, but much further than last year. Um, in around the time when I started taking music seriously and became a full-time musician, I... I immediately felt very lost and like alone and confused by just really practical things. <laughs> you know, yeah. the, the internet was still actually quite a different place in 2017. The internet is changing yeah. hugely, very fast. Um, and the information is there, but I just felt very like, like ignorant. I was like, oh, I don't know how to do that. How do you do this? How do you upload this thing? How do you... Like, where do I put a press kit? Do I have a PDF of the press kit? Do I have a website with a press kit on it? Do I like really <sighs> basic practical? Like, I mean, practical, yeah. practical things. Yeah, I just yeah. was, I felt like having to figure out every single step. And I'm like, this is weird to me because surely somebody else has figured this out. There's like musicians are like 10 a penny now. You know what I mean? Like, we're everywhere. So it's like, <laughs> I was just confused by why it was so hard and why no one was telling me anything. Um, yeah. And, I had always had this, like, obviously, like, this very deep passion for um, women and femininity and femmes. Like, I have a very, that's, that's my, the thing that I probably care most about. Um, and I had always wanted to be in spaces where black women and femmes in particular felt heard and understood, but also were able to access information that they needed and because you know I I felt like music was the space that I was in um a lot of the um what am I saying I need to bring it around <laughs> bring it around again I at the beginning I found it really difficult and then as I discovered the answers to things it it struck me that this should just be common knowledge. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, an example, let me just give an, an example. This was the major thing that made me be like, why is, why do I have to Google all this stuff myself? I, I had a terrible experience. Okay. This is a matriarch story. Um, when I released my album, I released it with, I released it with a, in a publishing deal. I had a publishing deal with, I guess they will re remain nameless for now. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Not forever, but I, I not like I have a legal reason to be quiet about it. But um, anyway, it, the publishing deal just went very south after the album was released and it was really disappointing and they didn't fulfill half of the things they said they were going to do on their contract. They didn't give me any statistics. So I don't have any statistics from the first six months of my album. I didn't have like... I didn't have so much stuff and I, I was giving away a huge percentage. Um, and so I can't, I ended the contract, but now I had the mute, the album, they were going to take it down. Right. Cause they no longer have the rights to be the publishers of it. Mm. Um, and so now I had literally like a couple of days to figure out how to self publish my album <laughs> and to keep it, and it was more confusing because I was republishing it, the same album, myself. Mm -hmm. And I had never done this before. I didn't. And again, this is 20. This is now 2018. Mm -hmm. There's a lot more of these publishing sites now. And they're actually a lot more. Uh, 
don't know if they're a lot more accessible, but there's so many of them now. Um, yeah. Anyway, so I was trying to figure out how to do it <laughs> and how to like track royalties. Like I didn't know anything. And I suddenly felt, again, very ignorant and thrown into this position of like, what? And, but, you know, of course, you know, in situations like that, you just figure it out. So uh, I figured it out somehow. Uh, I used Amuse, uh, which is a free distribution thing that um, a lot of musicians use because it's free. Um, and I just, it was the first one I found. It was free. I didn't have any money. So I was like, cool, let's just do this. So I had read. So if you look at the album now, it says that it was released in 2019 because I had to basically re-release it. Mm-hmm. republish it sorry but then you know i started getting emails from people being like i tried to play your album it's not playing on apple music anymore it's like there was this weird crossover period where it was on both things and it was just a nightmare <laughs> at the time and yeah. it was really stressful um because it was such an important thing to me obviously it was my debut you know thing um but after that i just kept feeling like wow this is ridiculous and i also had crowdfunded right to to really to um, raise money to record my album and in that process it was the same thing where I was like you can find all these things of how other musicians in other countries crowdfunded but Kenya is a completely different animal it's not America yeah. where people are donating to GoFundMes every second of every day in America yeah. um, it was its own thing you know and people don't crowdfund for the arts in in Kenya that much um, anyway just all these experiences that I'm like somebody has done this before but no one is sharing this information yeah. and it why <laughs> like does that is it comp- yeah. competition is it i don't know the gatekeeping just is has always been really weird to me and it's happened with gigs as well where people have their little yeah. clicks with their gigs and they just don't want to tell people um like really basic information or invite new people into the space they're just like no mm-hmm. this is the space for these 10 people sorry like that just happened so much that at some point that was part of what just made me by 2019 I was so over stuff because I was like Mm -hmm. how can we move forward together like we're all in the same boat um anyway space for all of us yeah there is and that's actually (laughs) I did an interview with Lisa Odoanoa um in my Mm -hmm in the most recent newsletter and she said Mm -hmm. the exact same thing that one of her big revelations was realizing that there's room for everyone yeah. And once she felt, once she realized that it, it made her, it took away so much jealousy or so much anxiety around other people's yeah. success. Cause it has nothing to do with you. Like, okay, great. Well done. <laughs> yeah. My successes or my whatever is are completely separate and also mm-hmm. valid. Um, yeah. Anyway, sorry, long winded, but um, that is a, at the beginning of last year, I was now in a new country and I w- it was still very much COVID stuff here. So everything was locked down and I just had so much time and I was really craving doing something useful. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, the newsletter is small. It's a small little thing. It's, I don't have, again, dreams of, of this thing that it's going to be. I just know yeah. what I need it to be now and I'm making it what I wish or what I want now, because I also have learned so much just from having to do the research, um, yeah. you know, to, 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 to write the thing. So in that process of researching, I've just learned so much myself. And, you know, even if just like one, I'm just getting like, you know, a couple DMs here, a couple emails there, here and there, yeah. of people being like, oh my God, I really d- didn't know that. Or I really needed to 
help with that, like that's really great. Um, yeah. So at, at number one to me is resources. Yeah. Um, collated in a way that is accessible. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to go read through, you know, 12 separate things on the internet. Um, yeah. <laughs> which takes a lot of time. So condensed resource. Um, mm-hmm. And then I wanted the interview section because I wanted I wanted exactly what you want, I think. <laughs> um, I wanted people to hear from the mouths of the people that they maybe admire or people that they yeah. see yeah. in spaces that they want to be in or that they're curious about being honest yeah. about stuff and being yeah. transparent about what it was like for realsies, what it was like and yeah. um, how they did it. And, the you know, it. I just wanted it to be personal as well as being resource resource heavy I wanted it to be I wanted it to have some kind of intimacy so that's why the interview section is there um but yeah that's that's what it is (laughs) I think that that's actually um one of the more exciting things to hear about um and you're right it is also why I do this podcast to be honest it's um you know, it's as as much as we're everyone's so different and our life stories are, you know, there's so there's like over seven billion of us, you know, but mm. I think that just like the human experience, it doesn't really matter like what sort of realm you're in or what you're doing or not doing. I think that everyone especially like during COVID like everyone wanted to feel useful you know because at Mm -hmm. the end of the day no matter what we're dealing with in our day-to-day lives you know seeing other people like struggling especially when they don't need to you know like Mm -hmm. resources should be available like we should be Mm -hmm. sharing information as to how we get Mm -hmm. things done and for some Mm -hmm. reason there's always a disconnect you know Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I I don't I also struggle with that question in my mind as to why that is. Um, Mm. And yeah, um, Nairobi can be a very clicky place. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, you love a place and then there's also certain things that you don't love about a place, you know, and um, (laughs) it is, it is what it is. But um, Mm. you're, you were in Nairobi, of course, it's your hometown. Um, yes. And, you know, I think that there are some exceptionally, like, talented people in Nairobi. I'm always sort of like Absolutely. Kenya. Like, just like, the music scene in Kenya is so beautiful. And yeah, it's so absolutely. diverse. And it's, oh, I'm... I'm both, like, very hopeful for it. But then I'm also like, there's just so many things to get over and through and to knock down you know but you're you were here you've spent so much time here you're you're in a place that can sometimes feel claustrophobic and like things not getting done and then you and your partner move to literally the other side of the world (laughs) um (laughs) and you have now your a lot more space, um, a lot more new faces, um, a different energy. And what has, what is this new chapter for you like? Oh, wow. Um, you know, um, so I, 
I'm not new to moving. Mm-hmm. Um, I have moved country and continent a couple of times <laughs> mm-hmm. in my life. Um, and I always feel like I, I should be better at it. <laughs> Me too. I should have it more locked down than I do. Mm-hmm. Um, like a formula, when I, you know? Yeah, right. When I arrived, I was like, Wanja, you know that you are going to be useless for at least six months. Like there is no doing anything properly for the first six months of arriving somewhere. <laughs> like, that's just not a thing that happens. You know yeah. this. Um, yeah, yeah. Especially if, like, I'm not, it's like, it's my partner's who's in school. You know, like, I'm mm-hmm. not in school. So it's like, he's doing his his graduate degree. Um, and so I just knew that. Um, mm-hmm. What I didn't know, though, was that it's more like a year <laughs> when you factor in a <laughs> pandemic. Um, yeah. So it's honestly not till the beginning of this year that I mm-hmm. started to feel motivated again to okay. to be me <laughs> mm-hmm. in all the ways, um, both personally, socially, economically, <laughs> creatively, all the things. Um, yeah. It's, you know, moving is is just hard and there's no way around it being hard. Even if you're moving to, this is a beautiful city. Um, this is a beautiful part of the world. And like, I love being here. I really do. Um, it's the kind of climate I like and whatever. Um, but the other thing about moving is that our brains are constantly, grass is greenering it. So yeah. Um, of course, now I'm very nostalgic about Nairobi and I'm homesick and <laughs> all the things that were bugging me don't seem that crazy anymore. I'm like, well, yeah. you know, we got through, like, that's just life. Um, yeah. And I obviously miss a lot of things and I miss having a community and I miss, I do miss the music scene in the sense that, like you said, I, I think that there's an insane amount of talent and there's like a lot of people every week who just produce some amazing stuff um in all genres in absolutely all genres don't let ever but anybody ever tell you that um kenyan music has one sound and that's that's it's both its greatest crowning glory and its kind of demise in terms of the pop world Mm-hmm. is that yeah. people want it to have a specific sound, but it doesn't. <laughs> we are a nation it doesn't of it can't. a lot of different, you know, cultures and, and a lot of different yep. approaches to music and a lot mm-hmm. of different, you know, influences um, from our history. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, I, f- yeah, so of course there's the romanticizing of home and, yeah. Then there's, you know, the questions of what to do here. Um, And the world is, you know, is such a chaotic place that sometimes, I know this is something that a lot of musicians express, a lot of artists express, which is like, what am I contributing? What Hmm. What is the worth that I am bringing? What is the good work that I am doing in this world when there is so much that is wrong? Um, What 
value is this art that I am making, bringing, you know, as opposed yeah. to me dedicating my life to something that maybe is more helpful <laughs> in a more practical yeah. way. That's a question mm-hmm. I think about all the time. Um, sometimes I feel like the arts, it feels selfish in a way that, you know, I understand that, of course, it's not we need art and I believe that we need it and that it's important. I know that intellectually, yeah. but in my heart, sometimes it, it feels yeah. selfish and it feels unimportant. Um, and so, and I think the pandemic exas- exacerbated that um, for like, I think a lot of people in a lot of different professions who are like, why am I doing this? Is it important? Does it matter? Yeah. Um, So I feel like this year I'm now starting to be like, okay, well, I'm a person again. (laughs) I have arrived back into reality, at least more with my feet on the ground. I know where I am. You know, I know I feel more at home. Um, And so now I'm actually starting to plan for things. So I'm recording right now. I'm recording my next project. Okay. after a long time of not being able to do it because I didn't have a yeah. producer. Um, but now I'm, I'm working uh, with someone. I'm working with, Rish, his name is Rishab Nanda. He's amazing. And we are doing it cross-continentally, which is challenging, obviously. But, you know, I'm finally recording the way I want to record because I'm recording in my space and at the pace that I want to and with the spirit that I want to. And about the things that I want to, not that Matriarch wasn't, but Matriarch was definitely like hyper produced, like very like contained, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of whirlwind, you know, it happened very, very, relatively quickly. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was definitely trying to prove something because it was my debut album. So I was trying to prove a point. And now I have much less to prove, which is I have to say one of the better things about, you know, (laughs) aging is that I I have much less to prove now, which is great a great feeling um so i'm recording and i'm also trying to figure out how to do the gigs that i want to do uh in 2019 like i said earlier i quit doing gigs that i didn't want to do Mm -hmm. i quit doing gigs that was not feeding me in some way or like even feeding the people who wanted to listen because there's no there's so few intimate listening venues in nairobi there's basically none um and so if you don't make music that is, you know, anyway, that's not the point. <laughs> the, <laughs> the point is that it was, it was hard for me to play gigs where it's like me and my guitar. It's very intimate. It's very storytelling. As yeah. you know, it's hard to yeah. always be in spaces where that's not a priority for the, for the, yeah. for the venue at all. And maybe the audience, some of the audience is there to listen but they can't because the space is not conducive to that. Um, so can so, I ask you something about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How how does did that affect how you went into creating music? Like did that did that ever sort of because change? You know, yeah, like did it? In, did you ever sort of second guess the way that you were making music and accommodate the venues that you were playing at <laughs> and what like? you know, all of these like, um, event organizers and like, yes, were seeking. Yeah. I see. That's a great question. That is an excellent question because I I think that that is, that is a question I would like to hear every Kenyan musician I know answer. 
because I think that it would, I think it's a huge, I think we don't realize how much of an impact not being able to play the music that you write the way that you want to perform it mm-hmm. um, has on the way you curate um, your gigs. If there's only one kind of gig that's allowed, you know, with dancing and vibes and drinking yeah. and whatever, if, if that's the only acceptable way to have a gig, then of course you're going to have to find ways to activate the crowd and like change to make it appealing to that audience um, or that yeah space so and I think that's that's why I ended up just not doing it anymore is because I really struggled to adapt (laughs) and that's maybe to my discredit you know maybe I should be better at adapting but I actually hate doing covers I I I have like five I would know I never would do more than five at a gig like that's absolute maximum and that's just because for me I struggle with them like I find it I struggle to enjoy doing it I really like mm-hmm. playing my own music. It, it's it's the thing that makes me feel good. It's the thing that makes me feel like I'm connecting with people in a new way. And I, I've always struggled with covers because um, yeah. I'm like, what am I bringing that's new or interesting or better than the original? Like most of the time, yeah. I just feel like I'm not doing anything to it that's better. So, and like everyone is allowed to obviously feel how they feel about um, covers and whatnot. Um, but just for me personally, I didn't feel enriched by the experience of doing covers. But that was kind of a requirement, you know. Um, and I get it, you know. People want to hear songs that they know, so they can sing along and and everything. Um, and I get that, and there's absolutely place for that. Um, but I just feel like there should be all kinds of spaces. Is my point, you know? There should be the space yeah. for Dunda. There should be the space for like, you know, re- like. And there is spaces for like now. There's a lot more electronic music, electronic music spaces, which is cool, yeah. you know, where you can go and just vibe out to like whatever. Yeah. Um, and that's awesome but like there should be just different kinds of venues and that's because we are also a young industry it's a young industry in Nairobi and that's the thing that you know you always end up coming back to is that you know the criticisms are not death sentences you know it's the criticisms are to improve it for the future as it grows because it's still so small and it's still in its infancy so of course it's going to have all these problems. Of course it's not going to be as, you know, diverse and inclusive and accessible as it should be. Um, but it can be. And so that is, you know, obviously, unfortunately that all that labor though then falls on the artists. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it did impact my, the way that I would write set lists, but eventually that was the thing that I couldn't keep doing. So I was like, I'm only going to do things that like feel right um and that's now what i'm trying to do again is that i came here and i'm like i could also just go back to playing in bars and finding any gig that will have me but i didn't want to do that again because i know where that road leads for me personally wonder horror i know where that road leads it leads to me feeling very frustrated um and so and i think that I, I really also enjoy curating music spaces that are intimate and that are just about the music and the intimacy of your interaction with the musician. Cause those are my favorite gigs to go to, <laughs> you know, where it's just everyone is focused and we're here connecting over these lyrics and these feelings and music is singer songwriter music in particular is so intimate because 
it's not even really as much as it, as I'm, it sounds like I'm trying to put the focus back on myself. It's actually almost the reverse because when we listen to music, we're not usually thinking about what the musician is going through. <laughs> you know, we're not listening to a Leanne Le Havre song thinking, oh, Leanne, what happened to you? We're thinking, oh, this boy I'm in <laughs> this love with. This is making with. me, yeah. Yeah, you know, we're thinking of yeah. this person that we are obsessed with who smiled at us yesterday. And we just apply it to our lives. We apply lyrics to who we are and what we're going through. Yeah. And that's what makes it intimate is that everybody is standing there thinking about some other person <laughs> or thinking about whatever lyrics or music is happening in their personal context. And so that's what I really enjoy about music. And, and I, yeah. I know people who feel the same way. And I want all of us who feel the same way to be able to experience that. Of course. Um, yeah. But I think that it's also when it does come to those sort of more intimate settings that are, that are hosted by singer-songwriters, it's you're you're not in the position that you're in because you've just like been writing out of thin air, you know, like you leave a piece of yourself in whatever you create. And um, it's, and I think that that's what makes it special when people are focused on, you know, the moment and actually taking it in. Um, And I think that that's what makes art incredible is Mm -hmm. that, you know, um, artists are able to, play on people's heartstrings and get people to feel and think and act and react in a way that no other, you know, professional discipline or whatever could do, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and that's, mm-hmm. that's quite a magical thing and not a lot mm-hmm. of people get to do it, you know? And um, yeah. so mm-hmm. having moments that are or having spaces that are dedicated to that mm-hmm. is really, really important, um, in my opinion. And uh, yeah, I, yeah, like you said, Nairobi's young, and there's a ways to go. But you know, it's it comes. You know, nothing mm-hmm. evolves overnight. I think no, um, absolutely. And yeah, but um, late last year, you released a single. And mm-hmm. you said that it's been, what, three years that you hadn't, I think that that's what you wrote. Uh, it's, it, well, it's, it's Matriarch had been the, oh, yes, yes. Since I released something years? that was mine yeah, and not a I collaboration. I think you had said, yeah, solo. Yeah, you had said like a solo single. Yeah. Three years. Um, so built for you, I was listening to it before we started this conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a beautiful song, but it's <laughs> also you. a song that has a lot of emotion in it. Um, <laughs> there's a lot going on in there. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and what does built for you symbolize for you? How, I mean, you, you said that you weren't creating or writing, you might've been writing, but you did say that you hadn't put out music for a while on your own. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we've touched on the sort of like struggles and frustrations that you've gone through that led to mm-hmm. that. Mm. What, what was the breakthrough for built for you? Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> it's great. To, I mean, it's great to, to hear um, that some people do actually read my Instagram captions. <laughs> that my Instagram captions are, are that, you know, I don't always assume that, you know, people don't always read them. I um, think it's because I write long ones. So I yeah. always read long ones too. I yeah. get it. <laughs> I know. I always read people's. I always read them. Like if it's something that, you know, if it's someone that I'm curious to know. Um, so Built for You is definitely my favorite thing that I've ever released. Um, oh, wow. By far. Um, just because I've grown so much as a musician since Matriarch, I really struggled to listen to Matriarch, as a lot of artists do as time passes, like, going backwards is sometimes challenging because <laughs> you're like, oh, wow, I could have yeah. executed that so much better now. Um, but that's cool. That's gross. It is what it is. Um, I wrote Built For You in 2020 in June. Um, and it was one of those great songwriting moments where I sat down with my guitar. Um, I was actually in Kisumu. Um, I sat down with my guitar and the song just came in like half an hour. Um, and it was just, it was cathartic at the time because that was right after George Floyd's murder. Um, okay. And when the whole world or the whole internet anyway, had sort of, um, exploded into the Black Lives Matter yep. resurgence. Um, and it was just everywhere. Um, mm -hmm. And I was feeling a lot of different things. And I was feeling a lot of, I found myself action more than I was, I was angry about obviously the state of racism in the world yeah. um, and anti-blackness and, everything but I was also just really frustrated by all the white people in my life who seemed to be tapping into the conversation for the first time okay um and I, you know I grew up in Australia mm -hmm. and I grew up around you know like in very white environments um mm -hmm. through my teens and especially university and I I think being in Kenya had kind of, it, it had made me forget, not forget, but like forget just how how easily white people can live without having to think about racism ever. Right. Like ever. Like they don't have to. If they don't want to, they yeah. don't have to ever. Yeah. <laughs> and I no, think it, 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 I just was receiving so many, you know, messages like from honestly well-intentioned white friends and yeah. I think a lot of black people all over the world were. Um, mm -hmm. And it, it something about the way that it was being done online just made me feel icky. Mm. Um, it just made, it just felt so performative. And of course it was because, you know, it's all over now, like in terms of right. people's caring and money and whatever, yeah. like that all fizzled out eventually. Um, mm -hmm. And now it's, you know, it's not that there aren't, people who are st still care in terms of but it was just at that time it was yeah. it was frustrating because yeah. it, I was reminded again that white people 
and that people in really privileged positions and just a lot of also non-black people get to live without ever having to consider that the world was built for them. <laughs> that the whole infrastructure was made for them to succeed. So that's what the song is about. Yeah. Um, the first half of the song is direct is directed to the powerful, um, to white supremacy mm-hmm. and and people who are just realizing it seemingly for the first time so mm-hmm. i know you just discovered the world was built for you designed to see you through till the end old in your bed comforted by things comforted by all the things you think you deserve things you mm-hmm. think you think you earned mm-hmm. um and then the second half of the song is more of like a self-reflection yeah. on um i don't uh on on reclaiming space and reclaiming mm-hmm. and the the anger that it elicits when black people create spaces that are exclusively for them yeah um <laughs> so the second refrain is i know you just discovered a world not built for you excluding you um as kind of something triumphant as like as a sort of triumphant i wanted to end it with not with a sense of this is this is awful and frustrating but with a sense of triumph of 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 some kind of autonomy you know yeah um and then in this life of mine i would like to live it's a Mm -hmm. really like simple request but at the time, you know, like we had all just witnessed once again yeah. um, white supremacy and its murderous violence in yep. action. Mm-hmm. And how is living, the th- like, the, it's just making me emotional, but how is living, like the bare minimum, living yep. is even something that is still yep. in question, like that a black life gets to exist at all is in question and that you know like that it that was where i was coming from i was we were all in that space you know in terms of where the focus of the online discussions and whatever were at the time in june 2020 yeah but i was i was just really frustrated by in particular that some people were just realizing this for the first time (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, wow, imagine what that would be like <laughs> to never have to have to think about it. It's absolutely incredible that, you know, people like your entire life, you've just existed with no sort of um, worry about like, am I going to get home, you know, in one piece? Um, you know, is there going to be any issue with like my job application? You know, are, are my kids, my brother, my mother, you know, like... It's just, you've just lived in bliss, right? And it always makes me think that, I always say that, you know, in English, there's the there's the saying, ignorance is bliss. And it's like, in no, in no African language mm. is there, you know, are any of us afforded the luxury of yeah. being ignorant? Like, we're just not, like, as, mm. and if we sort of extrapolate uh, extrapolate that into like the world, n- 
black people across the world were never like you can never not know like there mm -hmm. is no such thing as oh i had no idea like we're hyper vigilant no. we're always on edge like you need to know everything the way mm -hmm. that you speak the way that you present yourself where you go you know how mm -hmm. you enter a room like mm -hmm. it's just it's always at the back of our minds even if mm -hmm. it's not consciously racism has existed forever but i mm -hmm. think us ex like our experiences now and the way that we understand what's going on mm -hmm. is you know it, watching sort of it just watching everything unfold in 2020 alongside a pandemic online was the craziest thing and I think that that's yeah. also like to an extent social media just freaks me out now because I'm just yeah. like we're live watching you know like yeah. wars happening people dying people yeah. getting killed and it's just like this yeah. shit isn't normal <laughs> no, you can't it's you can't not. just like be seeing all of this and like you know it's business as usual no it's yeah, not yeah that's the uh, thing like, uh that's the thing yeah yeah and that's what brings me now around to like that again that feeling of um okay so what's okay so i'm gonna go watch all this traumatic stuff and see how the state of the world is and then i'm gonna go paint a picture you know like it's to me sometimes that you. that thing is just really hard to get out of and like yeah I can know intellectually all these things about the value of art and the value of whatever but it's it's just because of like you said like we are being we are so present at least visibly we visibly yeah. see so many things in a day that it, it is just it can create like this never-ending sense of doom, you know, and inevitability, yeah. you know, that is just yeah. unfortunate. It really is. No, it really is. Um, damn. I did not <laughs> see us going here. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no. That's no, what the song not... is about, though, yeah. It is It is that's what the song is about. And, and it is, that's, this is my, now, this is how everything ties together, is that this is why I'm not, I struggle to now go and play the song in a bar. It's, it's yeah, about. I hear you. <laughs> you know, you. racial inequality and, like, yeah. Of course, someone at that bar might hear it and be like, yo, that's amazing. And that's great. But not every time, every gig, every, you know, like that is not that that's not the environment it was made for. I want somebody to yeah. hear it and be like, yeah, I feel seen. I feel heard like yeah. with you, you know, <laughs> yeah. Um same as like voices, you know, like voices is about sexual assault. I can't just go. Yeah. I never, ever play that song live because I have not really been in a position to play it <laughs> because yeah. nowhere is an appropriate place to play that song so far. Like there's just some things that they don't, they don't, they can't exist in certain spaces without it just being tremendously weird that they are trying to exist in. Oh, it would be so A weird. restaurant. Yeah. You know, people are trying to eat their dinner. Why am I? <laughs> and I mean, um, and if anyone thinks that it is okay for you to play it in like certain places, then they really haven't listened. You know, like they're not getting the message. <laughs> yeah, that one I never, I never perform that song unless it's, I've played it live maybe twice. Yeah. Yeah, I hear that. 
Yeah. I mean, it's also, you know, it's not everything can be performed, you know, like it's uh, some, some stories and messages are are meant to be told and they will, they will find who they need to find, you know, but absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not going to be, which is why we record, which is why music gets recorded. And (laughs) that's why, you know, if you, if you're supporting someone, you listen to the entire project, you know, or you Mm -hmm. go find their music. Um, yeah. So you go buy it on Bandcamp, everybody. Hey, let's go. (laughs) Buy it Um, on Bandcamp. That's what you should do. You really should. If you, if you're really a true supporter, go buy <laughs> the music. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> no, um, I wanted to quickly um, get into um, the cover for that single. Um, mm-hmm. Because I've always felt that as, as a musician, you've always let your music speak for you you've always like it's I've I've never I've never sort of thought of you separate from your music you know like Mm -hmm. I've I've never been like oh actually I do also associate when you do share your art and your paintings and things like that I do associate Mm -hmm. you with that too but like Mm -hmm. mainly your music um Mm -hmm. and it was interesting because I, of course, I read captions and I do my <laughs> oh, <no>. research. <laughs> Love it. But you had mentioned that you intentionally decentralize um, your body and face um, or you have in your career intentionally decentralized your body and face. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's one thing, you know, it's sort of just happening but you intentionally doing that and why, you know, like what made, why Mm. was that important to you Mm -hmm. um, to separate the two? This is so interesting that you're asking me this question because this is, this is one of those things that I wrote in the caption. Um, Again, not really thinking that anyone would take me up. <laughs> I mean, I think I ended the caption saying something like, I'll elaborate on that maybe one day, maybe. Um, uh, one of the reasons is that I don't, I care about my appearance in uh, at an, on a normal level, you know, as a person who, you know, like wants to look cute sometimes and whatever. But I have always had kind of a fear of it being important <laughs> because I know that physical appearance, physical, your physical appearances can become something that has a huge impact on your, self, your self-perception. Um. So I wanted to, I've, I've had this, you know, low key, there's a low keyness to it of just not wanting to be visibly my own brand 
and have my visible appearance be the most important thing or be the most obvious thing because I don't think it is. <laughs> On a very basic level, I don't think it's the most important thing about me. And I'm scared of it being the most important thing about me because I don't like where that leads. <laughs> I don't like where that leads for my self-esteem. I don't like where that leads for my sense of comparison. I don't like where that leads for my just basic self-image, basic things. Um, on that level, I don't think it's the most important thing. And I am afraid of it being the most important thing because of what that can lead to internally and socially. Um, and then on a second level, there is also a knowledge of being mixed race in Kenya and the things that come with that, uh, good and bad. Actually, I mean, technically all bad, right? Because um, colorism is very real. Colorism in the music industry worldwide is absolutely massively a thing. Um, you know, there's a reason that, the black artists that we see are the ones that we see. And I 100% believe that colorism has a huge role in that. Um, and I think, it, I think maybe if I had started my career somewhere else, it might be different. But because I am Kenyan and I am now, as I have gotten older, I am proudly black. I'm proudly East African. Um, I am even more aware of what that means to be um, mixed race or to be light skin or whatever in a in a culture in a world that is still so anti-black on many many levels, um, and I have also witnessed mixed race people in Kenya and everywhere very much exploit their skin color beyond just the way the world's treating you that you don't have control over, but like actively exploiting that at the, at the, um, and putting down other people at the same time as a way to get ahead, you know, as like resting on your laurels of like, oh, this is how the world sees me and I'm just going to ride with this privilege to the right to the bank, you know, um, so while I don't, I don't want my appearance to be the most important thing, I don't think it is the most important thing. I also know that my appearance in different contexts ha is, is about more than what I feel about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, my, my skin color changes its meaning literally based on where I am. And, but all of it is based on my proximity to whiteness. And I know that, <laughs> you know, so I, 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 I've always been conscious of, well, not always, I've been conscious of that most of my life. Um, when I was a kid in Kenya, I don't think I was as aware of it because kids, you know, kids, you know, just, they don't like you if you're different, you know, so, or they like pick out your differences, but they do that with all children. So that was not like yeah. a, a woe is me story, but, you know, I was very much like sometimes the only like, mixed race kid in, in things and it, it didn't bother me but you know as a kid you just want to be like everyone else so um <laughs> yeah yeah you know and it's just like you know whatever yeah. um but as as I've gotten older and as I've been aware of things it's like I I, I just I've I don't want that to be the thing you know because I know so I can think off the top of my head of about 30 <laughs> and of course it is also gendered and I'm aware of that um that 
colorism and its intersection with sexism and its gendered nature is it's different for between genders um and you know this hypersexualization and all these other things that we could include in this conversation but you get what i'm saying so that's really the reason of 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 decentral and a lot of that was subconscious until i really started to actually in your right until i was doing the built for you thing and i did the visualizer right and my face is not in it really but my body is and i was like and i really had to like deconstruct why i was uncomfortable with that and i was like this is not just being self-conscious this there is that obviously always of like being self-conscious because you know we live in a world that has put things in my head that makes me feel a certain type of way about my body but beyond that i knew that there was things underneath that it wasn't just the discomfort with being on camera it was something else and then i was investigating it in my head and i was like oh you know what i i've always felt uncomfortable about putting myself like face front and center in this situ in this in this musical artistic creative space um and it's my deepest wish that obviously people could just focus on that but we live in a world where people really would don't want that <laughs> they do what they want you in a bikini you know and they want you like with your face beat and they want you looking snatched and cute all the time and you know that's social media is all of that and again there's a place for that and i am the biggest fan of beautiful things you know like everybody but for me i just i i'm uncomfortable with it being in the center i hear that i mean i have my own struggles with like attention and things like that and like being the center of it and like uh just generally when it comes to how you look as a woman and being out there and Oof. yeah it's it's a lot man it's a, a woman, lot there's a layers lot. and layers and layers on uh, that one yeah um, but i also because i also that, sorry yeah no please go ahead I, I was just gonna say that like there's a there's a like four other layers and one of them is also like growing up in a culture I, I grew up in a very christian environment and a very christian world i went to christian schools my whole life um i also grew up in a world that drawing attention to your physical appearance wasn't bad thing <laughs> um it either was superficial like it was a shallow thing to do um or you know unfortunately it went down the road scandalous of uh, of, of yeah of of being as a woman it's something you should avoid you know, like nobody should ever see any cleavage, like, you know, no one should ever, you know, it's, and it wasn't like it was a, I, it was a pretty contemporary Christian culture. It wasn't, you know, Puritan and like, it wasn't, you know, right. you're going to burn in hell or anything like that. It wasn't <laughs> that, but it was in its own subtle way telling me to like hide a little <laughs> mm -hmm. and then okay. you go out into the real world, which is the other layer and everybody is and there is men everywhere being disgusting. And then you do want to hide and you're like, please let me hide. I don't want yep. to be seen ever. You know, like there's all of the layers. <laughs> Girl, you're checking them off. Each one of them. <laughs> Each one of them. I'm like, yep. And that's another one. Um, yeah, no, I was literally uh, speaking to a friend of mine the other day. Um, 
and uh, because I had seen like someone, um, like someone who here in Kenya who has a podcast and like just talks a lot of shit. Um, but <laughs> he was, um, he was talking about. I'd seen a clip come up on TikTok, and he was talking about a female musician who's actually really young. And he was talking about like her body or whatever, and oh saying that she should that she should lose weight. And I'm like, what? You know, like on top of like everything that women already deal with in their own private lives. Like when you're when you're a public figure or like an artist or you know like you're like you're out there mm-hmm. and you're hyper visible. Mm-hmm. I cannot even begin to imagine the level of just you know overthinking that one would go through um, <laughs> the pressures, the all of it. I'm just like yeah. yo, it. Yeah, that just sounds really tough. Like all of those layers, plus yeah. <laughs> the fact that you're doing it, and you know, there's there's a whole you know audience watching is yeah, yeah. And I think it's because of social media. There is also like this thing where I feel like, particularly and almost exclusively, women and femme musicians feel have to put their appearance. Mm-hmm. That like they have to be beautiful yeah, consistently yeah. all the time on the gram, on across TikTok, the world. to yeah. across the world to get attention, like to get mm-hmm. anybody to pay attention. And it's not about yeah. this is not a drag of them. This is a drag yeah. of the world that requires that yeah. because it's just required. Like, and we all know this, and I know a lot of people don't love having to do it, but they're like, you know what? That's how I get people on onto me you know that's how I get people to follow me and hopefully eventually listen to my music hopefully eventually like like watch the video the whole way through they're not going to watch a video of me sitting in my pajamas like you know like (laughs) with my hair everywhere and a bare face like that's not what they want and like there's this one hand where it's like yes let's be empowered let's wear what we want let's do all this let's 100% Mm -hmm. go do wear whatever that like Wear whatever you want. Like, do the most amazing makeup. Do all of those things. There's all of that that is the desire of our hearts. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. But that doesn't, er- like, erase the context that we live in that just yeah. commodifies that, that hypersexualizes that, that, like, yeah. makes it so hard to walk down the street, you know? Like, I would love nothing more, honestly. Like, that to me is probably one of the the personal battles that I, like, dream of one day conquering is like this petrifying fear that I have of being visible in the physical world Um, because I see people who are just my heroes wearing just the most amazing things and like being so glorious and shining walking down the street and I'm like I whatever you have that like I know is killing the fear that you surely have somewhere like, yeah. I would love that. <laughs> yeah. I would love that. I want that. And I aspire to that. Like, that's my dream. Yeah. But I'm just so far from that. <laughs> but I do think that, like, there is a world um, and there is a future where you're able to be just as glorious. And I think that that just comes with, like, time and growth and, you know. Yeah. 
I becoming think so more comfortable in like the uncomfortable parts. Um, yeah. And that's just, you know, just the path of becoming more and more ourselves, you know? Um, yeah. And yeah. when there are so many like external things that we think about, um, it's kind of just like making peace with what's inside and also be yeah. able to, I think that sometimes it's also like a, you know, while you were speaking of, um, you know, being mixed race and like what that means when you're in a place like Kenya and, you know, thinking about, you know, the implications of like how you look and how you present yourself and all of these things, it's, it's like, you shouldn't have to, you know, like if your intentions yeah. are like, if your heart is in a good place and your intentions mm. are pure, you shouldn't have to, but we do yeah. think about such things. Right. And, um, yeah. I think that, um, there, there is a point where, um, you, you make peace with it and I yeah. can't wait to like, see you, um, in a space where you're just like, you know being uninhibited in Fuck that it. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> that's exactly what it what it will be at one point um yeah. and i yeah it's 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 just growth really you know and it's, yeah yeah we all go through it in in our different ways um yeah but definitely. yeah i know it's gonna be super super cool so yeah no um this conversation has been great um and Wanja you're you're incredible and you said that this next chapter of yours is all about being an indie baby mm -hmm. and so what can we look forward to just indie baby stuff you know um what that means to me is just like making choices artistically completely independent completely independent of expectation, independent in a literal sense of like um, publishers and other external bodies, independent of, um, of what I feel like I should be doing as a musician and w what the list of, you know, top 10 ways to go viral, like not the, mm -hmm. not the things that everybody thinks I should be doing, because I've realized that those are not the things that I want. Um, I don't know what I do want, but I know what I don't want. And so for me, being like the indie baby thing is just being independent in every sense and pursuing the creative dream and creative ideas free. Yeah, free. Um, and that's going to end up making my life look different. And I have to reconcile with that. I have to reconcile with whatever my success being, like whatever I just determined to be success is going to be different. And not allowing myself to compare that destination or that vision of success to other people's. Um, because there's room for everyone. There is room for um, that version of success. There's a version of success that I want that could be completely the opposite. And 
I really just want to make stuff, honestly. I'm sick of not making things for really dumb reasons. So I'm going to probably release this project. And again, so it's self-produced, like co -produced, having such a hand in every aspect of it, um, the engineering of it and the recording of it, uh, working with people who just let me do my thing and who bring nothing but good, positive, constructive energy so hopefully this will be done in September. Um, that's the dream. These timelines never, ever work out, but, you know, you have to have them. So we're saying September. Um, I'm also starting a performance series in person um, that I don't know where it's going to go, what it's going to be, but I'm not even going to pretend to try to make it something because it, it grew so organically. It's called... Um, quarter life chrysalis and it's um it's a chronological performance of my music from my 20s um and that's something i want to be doing in multiple places so who knows might be in a city near you who knows um and then obviously the black letter newsletter comes out every two months um, every other month, sorry. Um, and I'm always looking for other things to look into and to research. We're, we're just wrapping up in this next edition, part three of how to release your music. Um, and then the next thing I'm going to cover is crowdfunding for the arts. Um, and just say what I did and look up research, resources of what people are doing now. Cause obviously that was a few years ago. Um, I mean, those are that's what's that's what's on the grill right now. Um, that's yeah. a busy grill. No, <laughs> I love it. I love it. And um, I think that that's actually a beautiful way to end this conversation: to freedom, to reclaiming, you know, your path and your process. I love to hear it. A lot of exciting things Amen. to look forward to. <laughs> I will to everyone listening. Um, I will leave the links to everything that we've mentioned during this episode. Um, Black Litter newsletter, um, a link to where you can subscribe and all of Wanja's social links um, in the description, wherever you're streaming this. And so thank you so much for staying with us and have a thank good one, you. everyone. And thank you, Wanja, for coming <laughs> on. This was beautiful. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Excellent, yeah. excellent um, questions right. and conversation. <laughs> Loved it too. All right. See you next week, everyone. Bye.